welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Men on Fire here on Infinite Success Academy TV and Infinite Success Academy Radio. And today I have a very special guest on the program. He is an entrepreneur, author, and adventure sports addict from beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Okay, so this guy is one awesome dude, folks. Listen to what he's done so far in his life. He's been a hockey player, professional DJ playing house music all over the world, internet entrepreneur starting seven different businesses. He was a Lyme disease patient losing his health for two plus years, and he's Vancouver's most eligible bachelor, although some say he's found the one. Self-confessed surfing and kite surfing bum living on the beach in Mexico for over four years. Now, Last but certainly not least, Sean is a lifelong teacher at heart. Sean now shares the knowledge he has accrued through his various passions and endeavors specifically to help men and others to quickly get back to full health and succeed at life. Alrighty then, wait a minute. Let's cue that surfing music one more time, shall we? That's enough of that for now. And full disclosure, that's not Sean on the board. But I'm telling you, anyone that can do those types of things and help people become their greatest versions is a freaking hero in my books. Okay, welcome to Men on Fire. And once again, without further ado, here is the man of the hour, Sean Gala. And Sean, I'm so happy you're able to make it onto Men on Fire today, and I'm, I'm honored to have you here. I'm stoked to be a man on fire. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right on. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> so you started some men's groups after uh, um, many trying times in your life um, as well. And I wondered if you might just tell us what uh, prompted you to start the men's groups. Oh yeah. Thanks for asking. Um, I think I, I was always, uh, my personality type was always, uh, being more of a supportive person. I always liked more meaningful conversations. Even when I was younger growing up playing hockey, I, I, uh, I was always the captain on my hockey team because I liked supporting other people. Mm -hmm. I was just more of a cheerleader type personality archetype. I think that's because, um, I, I grew up in a, in a household with a, dad who was you know uh, very supportive but emotionally um not super available and so mm. when i saw that in other people i really liked it and uh and so yeah went into the world and went into the business world and probably should have been a counselor from the beginning but instead <laughs> became an entrepreneur ended up moving around to different places in the world just to get that experience and ended up moving to mexico where i just felt really lonely to be honest after the first mm. year it was just quiet, especially in the, the lowest season. People were coming and going. There wasn't any consistent friends. Right. And I was dealing with some difficult things in my life, just like my a tough relationship with my dad, a tough romantic relationship, some emotional issues that I had personally, um, and just needed people to talk to. So I threw my friends into a Facebook group, and the, the women didn't really participate, and the men did. And mm -hmm. 
then they said, let's go on a surf trip. And then we were on a surf trip. And then at the end of the surf trip, we sat in a circle and I thought we were going to talk about business Yeah, because we were all entrepreneurs. And and then a guy brought up something personal and I was like, oh, this is interesting. Cool. That's, that's how I got into it. Came by it honestly. Yeah, no, that's a that's a, a humble and great way to, to get started in it and realizing that that's something that you um, probably wanted to pursue more after after that meeting. Yeah, I still had reservations and I still do to this day. I'm like, I wish I could do something easier or cooler, you know, <laughs> like be a, a social media influencer or an athlete, pro athlete or something, you know, but uh, well, yeah, you know, just... there's, there's, there's trials and tribulations with all those things like, that's oh, life. yeah, that's life, right? <laughs> totally. And this is just what I'm made of. This is just what I'm built of and who I am. And that's why it's working so well. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. It certainly is. Yeah. So I was wondering maybe if uh, you could picture if a woman was a fly on the wall of one of your meetings, mm-hmm. what do you think she would see? And what do you think maybe would surprise her? Well, I love that question because every time I run into women and I tell them what I do, usually they're like, Oh, what happens in the meetings? Like they want to know <laughs> usually because their partners aren't that expressive. Right. And so, yeah, what ends up happening in the meetings is surprisingly, if you put a guy in a situation where he feels like he's not going to get ridiculed for sharing what's on his mind, he will eagerly share what's on his mind. Yes, and, yes. and so, so you come into these groups and you just see a lot of guys just talking about normal everyday life stuff that's on their mind. It could be relationship stuff. could be just them wanting to prove some part of themselves. Maybe they're wrestling with a subtle addiction. Maybe they're trying to learn how to communicate better or dealing with depression or anxiety or a work conflict and, or purpose. And they're just trying to, they just want to, talk to people about it right yeah well that's that's great so that might surprise her that their people are actually opening up yeah yeah and we have had the 300 pound biker bros who were in gangs we've had hotshot investment bankers pro athletes doctors it doesn't matter it seems like guys that are really closed off and every their other part of their life you put them in a scenario where they feel safe and they will share like, yeah the vulnerable stuff the real stuff yeah it's kind of universal no matter what uh, the guys like uh, on the exterior yes you know, on the interior we're, we're we're pretty much the same uh as far as vulnerability goes and, and not willing to maybe show our show our true hand yeah and just we're hardwired for connection i think we forget that that you know for two million years for two million years humans lived in tribes and we mm-hmm. lived these very intimate day-to-day lives with our families and our friends and we'd share every detail and it's only in the last like two or 300 years where we've kind of been living these isolated lives in our own houses. And we think that that's fine. And it's like, well, <laughs> we, we still have these, you know, evolution takes tens of thousands of years to change things that's in animals. Right. And so, yeah, to, to think that you don't need that kind of connection is just foolhardy. It's short-sighted. And well, exactly. And, and that kind of brings me to my uh, next question, which yeah. um, personally, my belief is that, um, men and women, we both have um, a masculine side and a feminine side. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, sometimes that gets in the way of each other. Um, but men, I think, are more feminine than, than we know. And women, I think, are more masculine than they know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just wondering that, um, uh, do you think that the, the, the map that we're using, that men are using uh, right now, um, has has changed at all um and I'll give you an example like when i was in in the in the military in basic training we had to go on map marches 
Yeah. And many, and many times they were night map marches too. And many times you'd look at the map and you go, this is, the map's got to be wrong. This is, this is totally wrong, but it's the same map you started with and it is showing the territory accurately, but are you reading the map wrong? So, you know, it's kind of a, as a metaphor, uh, as we move forward with a map of where we think we should be, um, has that map kind of changed uh, for, for men nowadays, or are we just not quite emotionally mature enough to, to read it correctly? Yeah, it's a good question. And um, regarding the first part of the question, the masculine feminine, like surprisingly, we don't talk about masculine and feminine at all in men's group. Mm-hmm. Like you think that, you know, and I've seen this in other men's groups, they want to talk about exploring your masculine, exploring your feminine, this kind of right. thing. And, right. and mostly in men's group, we just make it really approachable in the sense that we just let guys talk about what's ever on their minds mm-hmm. and, and whatever that may be. And sometimes it heads in that direction. Sometimes it doesn't, but I think in general, yeah, because society has been pushing people um, toward men in particular towards this peculiar emotional isolation mm-hmm. and because society is promoting junk food values in general Right. Meaning like money and status and Facebook likes, which are stuff that scientifically has been proven to not actually make you grounded and content. The things exactly. that make you actually happy are love and, and, and feeling connected and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And very simple things. Um, yeah. It seems like a lot of men have been, have lost the, the proper map. Yeah. The lost the direction, lost that waypoint. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a shame because as Joe Rogan pointed out uh, on one of his podcasts, Henry David Thoreau has this great quote that's like, most men live in quiet desperation. Absolutely. And you see that, you see the results of that in the, in the stats around suicide, 80% are men, Mm -hmm. incarcerations, 98% men, violent crimes, 95% men, uh, illiteracy rate, homelessness rate. um, All these different things are just anxiety, depression. They've just all been going up for men. Um, since, especially since the 1950s, when it was really all of a sudden men couldn't be affectionate with each other without being labeled as gay. Men couldn't be, they had to be strong and put together. Yeah. And, uh, and I think, I think that's when men lost the map and men are, men are quietly struggling as a result. Exactly. And that's, um, you segued perfectly into, the, into my next question, man. You kind of answered it too. I do what um, I can. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, I had read that uh, the uh, majority of people who commit suicide under 45 are men. And uh, you, you touched on that. And also, uh, I was going to ask you to talk about some of the other things that uh, we're kind of first at too, which you, which you did as well. And um, I guess that's, uh, what do you think the most common issue that causes all that, uh, for, for men is? I think it's, um, like boiling it down. I'd say it's, it's the, we're growing up, we were, we were ridiculed when we wanted to share anything vulnerable or share any of our experience emotionally. So as a result, a lot of guys end up going through their life, hiding what they're actually thinking and feeling. Mm-hmm. And, um, like to the point where a lot of guys actually believe, and we have to educate them on this, <laughs> that there's only two emotions, <laughs> happy and angry. Like that's right. it. Like a lot of guys yep. think there's anger and there's happy and, and everything else, every other feeling they have, they're either pushing down or they're like just dealing with quietly. And 
everything we've studied about isolation shows that it, it'll kill you. It's worse than chain smoking mm, yeah. um, for your health and all these different, you know, research studies have found it's just terrible. So I think, I think it's the being isolated with your challenges, feeling like you're the only one who has it, that you're weak because it, you have it. I think that leads puts guys in a lot of desperate positions after, mm. after years and years of feeling that way. It's like, why, why, why go on, you know? Exactly. Do you think, and this is a little bit of an aside, but do you think that perhaps um, through the pandemic years where we uh, were kind of enforced isolation too, uh, at times, spending a lot more time alone than we even used to, um, has has changed the way uh, some people think and caused some of this um, extra anger and um, that's being let out in, in, I mean, even in mass shootings and, and uh, not even just go that far, but, you know, there's a lot of angry people out there still, you know, you, yeah. you bump into them and they, they want to fight or something like it's, you know, it's uh, ridiculous. Yeah, definitely. I've noticed that in the States, especially, but it just definitely happens in other countries as well. And unfortunately, I think because, again, society is promoting junk food values, one of them being distraction instead of introspection, mm -hmm. like taking time to feel into whatever's going on in your body. I think when people face times of challenge or adversity, like the pandemic, it's like, yeah, a lot of people just like day drank and like Netflix <laughs> and played video games. And that is yeah. junk food for the mind, isn't it? The, yeah. I mean, hey, there's nothing wrong with watching some Netflix, but uh, we're having a drink all fine, day yeah. long. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But as a result, you know, the, the real the, the problem there isn't that you're having a drink in the day or that you're watching Netflix. It's that you're ignoring you're ignoring the what your internal experience is and and um and not sharing it with others. And then that just gets builds and it kind of festers. Mm -hmm. And um and then, you're and then you end up blowing out in other in other ways, and and so yeah, I think that's where a lot of that's coming from. I think a lot of people were really shook up by that pandemic experience, and they're, they're instead of instead of like working through that, I think they're because it's really difficult to the mind, the brain's job is to keep you away from pain. It's just easier to go, you're the problem, blame other people, you know. Yes. Whether that be politically, whether that be gender, whether that be whatever, you know, all these uh, celebrities getting canceled for saying kind of innocuous things. It's like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, or Will Smith slapping Chris Rock over a really uh, harmless that, joke, you know. It's, that was wild, yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah I think a lot of people are just kind of uh, struggling. Over the top. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, that definitely definitely nailed that for sure. But it's it's interesting too, Mike, because like uh you talk to people who were around during World War II, there aren't many of them left, you talk, or the Great Depression, and they're like, you guys are soft. Like we, <laughs> you haven't had any real adversity, <laughs> I, right? Like I know. My grandpa was in a trench for like four, four, four years, like in the mud and like, <laughs> and all this stuff. And it's like, you guys can't watch Netflix for six months and then like not be pissy with each other. Yeah. Like, like, come on. So I, I think that unfortunately our life, our life is so good and very peaceful in the Western world that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, we had, we don't have to face adversity. I think unfortunately that's also led to people not having, learning how to, manage adversity emotionally and then the resulting blowout in lots of different ways. No, exactly. Exactly. And, uh, um, you know, and there's lots of people that are, um, buying military stuff and just wanting to be, uh, as if they were, um, combatants in something you know um and well that's a, that's an american thing primarily oh yeah, yeah. i don't know you got that for sure for sure but, but there there is an equivalent and there is a there is i gotta be honest there is like a very like 
um, uh, there's an aggression in, in America. Like I mm-hmm. noticed that whenever I cross the border, like as soon as Absolutely. you get there, all of a sudden I'm getting people fingering me in their car and all sorts of stuff. And you don't get that as much here. So I think it's mm-hmm. like a population and also just a cultural competitive thing that America has that like European countries don't have as much and we don't seem to have as much, but it still exists. It's still everywhere. I've known, like you said, I've noticed that stuff's ramped up since the pandemic. Oh, definitely. Yeah. We, I, we spend, my wife and I spend uh, winters in Panama and uh, when you're down there and there's a lot of uh, expats down there, Canadians, Americans, Europeans type deal. Uh, but the Americans that come down there are so happy to be there because one of the reasons they wanted to get out of the States was exactly what we were been talking about, mm-hmm. you know, um, and yeah. they've kind of seen through that and thought, I, I just can't take it anymore. You know, it's, it's so that's a, a tense uh, atmosphere. Yeah. And that there's other places like UK can be like that. And, oh, and of course, Aust- Australia and, you know, <laughs> yeah. these different countries in Europe that are like, seems well, we like everybody, our, everybody in our... Europe hates their neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have, we've had our moments in Canada too, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, but, but I, th- I think it's, it's been interesting to observe how people have been handling that and, and, and um, blaming others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you think when, um, uh, dealing with uh, in relationships and it doesn't have to be man and woman, but uh, man to man or woman to woman. Do you think that we're just um, mainly because of those things, some of the things we just talked about that we're um, not paying enough attention to each other. And then we're having such a difficulty, um, you know, understanding one another. I mean, I know one of the things that uh, I've teached in some of my coaching is, uh, you know, boundaries, right? So you have certain, yeah certain boundaries and and let somebody else know them because if they cross your boundaries and you didn't tell them it's not really their fault right because they they, so um once you establish that you know and then the boundaries meld together and they start crossing and you can have a great relationship you know yeah um so i don't know uh, if maybe you uh, you think that's part of what we discussed about is is, is also causing difficulty in relationship, even when we get a chance and get out of our isol- isolated homes and, and that sort of thing and, and get out there again. I mean, I know I found uh, living uh, uh, a little bit uh, north and not uh, being like right in the city um, that I didn't see a whole lot of people for a long time. And then when mm-hmm. I did for the first time, even like a 15 minute conversation being six feet apart, was like taxing <laughs> yeah know? yeah totally <laughs> your brain yeah. goes wow how did i manage that 15 minute conversation because i wasn't yeah. even used to it anymore you know totally like, yeah yeah so it's amazing how we change it seems like uh, a lot of people learn that uh realize that social skills are a muscle and if mm. you don't use them they will atrophy just like any other muscle <laughs> exactly yeah but i think beyond that um yeah i think the problem the main challenge with not living an introspective life, which is not investigating your own emotions and maybe talking about those, those people as part of that investigation, you know, just, just curiosity around where those feelings come from and why you have those and in what ways they're, act, they're, they're, they're causing behaviors you don't like is that it's hard to hear other people through those things, mm-hmm. right? Like, especially in, in, it seems like the closer a relationship is like, to what we have with our parents, that the, the, the more our emotions fire up. So like your romantic partner and your kids, right. It's easy to get, go from zero to a hundred with them and sure. get upset and get triggered. Um, and I just think that a lot of people, unfortunately, because they don't understand their own emotional stuff, 
that emotional stuff clouds their interactions with the other person. They can't even really hear what the other person's trying to say mm-hmm. or what they are actually need. That person also isn't able to communicate what they need because everybody sucks with boundaries. And they're probably also waiting in their own emotional stuff that's influencing how they're experiencing it. So it's like just a very exactly. mud, it's a muddy waters on, on both fronts, you know, versus being, a, being, if you're a person that like really takes time to whenever you get triggered to like, try to unpack that and break it down and mm-hmm. whether it's through a journal or talking to a therapist or whatever it might be, you know, um, and then you're with somebody that also does that, then you can have conversations that are more like, I, I feel like Katie and I are at a place where we can actually hear each other when we're upset, like, mm-hmm. and get to a place of what do you really need? Like, how can I, how can I fulfill that, you know, and vice versa. Um, but most people, I, I, most fights, most couples, I don't, I don't see them really getting here that often. No, no. And, you know, I, I've heard it called the honeymoon effect, you know, where you're, um, you're on your best behavior when you first meet or oh, yeah. for a certain length of time in, in a relationship. Um, and then um, as you get to know each other better, um, it's kind of the real uh, emotional being comes to the surface. And then you go, wow, that's not the person I thought you were. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, we all have that uh, and we all are on our best behavior at times. Um, but we'd, like you said, you know, you have to be able to learn to recognize it when that happens Yeah, and then, and then chat about it. Uh, yeah. And just, just understand your own stuff. I can give you a quick example. Katie and I were surfing, uh, yesterday or two days ago. Katie and I have been together for three years. It's the flowiest, smoothest relationship I've ever, I've ever had. Oh, nice. we still, yeah. Well, it's fantastic. I've been in so many terrible relationships, you know, <laughs> with all sorts of conflict and just different communication styles. And, and mm-hmm. it's so nice to be with somebody where it's just, you know, she owns her stuff and I own my stuff. And so it's easy to, it's easy to move through conflict and get back yes. to a good place. Yeah. And so I'll give you one example of that. So we're out surfing and she's new to surfing and I'm, I'm experienced with surfing. So already that's like a bad dynamic for a couple. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a really critical dad. So growing up playing sports, he was really tough on me. So mm-hmm. if I made, if I missed something, if I made a mistake, you go, why, why didn't you go for that? Trying to be loving and supportive, but like, you know, it was, it was kind of like intense. And so now Katie's surfing and I'm trying to help her and I'm getting intense. So she misses a wave. And she's been surfing great the whole time. We just shared, shared a wave together, which was a really special moment for me because yes. I never thought that would happen. Yes. It was beautiful. And then like later, this beautiful wave comes through. She doesn't go for, because it looked like somebody else was going to go. And I was like, babe, why didn't you go? You should just go. Like mm-hmm. that person's not a good surfer. They didn't get it. Just, just go. And she took it critically. She's like, why do you have to be mean to me like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah and it was because i delivered in a short term stuff so, so i said mm-hmm. i said and then i got upset i'm like why can't you be open to my feedback and then she said uh i don't know and they kind of escalated from there but it, it didn't really get in the name it didn't get a name calling didn't get into and it was like you know 10 minutes later went into like so i paddled away a little bit gave it a little bit of time came back and then like 10 minutes later i'm like i'm sorry I know where that comes from. My dad was really hard on me. I find it hard not to be coaching that way with other people. She said, yeah, I'm sorry too. You know, my dad was really gruff and short with me. And so I get super triggered when like some people make it sound like I'm not doing good enough when I'm trying really hard. And so both of us realized that it wasn't even about that situation. It was about our pasts. And, and so we can continue to then try to communicate in ways that work to get work for the other person better moving forward. 
So the whole thing lasted, I don't know, 15 minutes. And then we were back into a good place. Um, and, uh, and, and in past relationships, that would have been like a three or four day funk. We would have been, you're, in, you you're, you're, you're colding people out, give them the cold shoulder. Yeah. Exactly. And, and yeah. we can only do that because individually we both take time when we need to, to like, like, like in, in those five minutes, when we were weighing the waves. We were both thinking the same thing. Oh, geez. That was an overreaction. That was a disproportionately large reaction right. to the, to the situation that was in front of us was usually symbols. It was something from the past that we found painful, not the situation itself. Yeah. Okay. What is that for both of us? We're literally like journaling in our heads or unpacking it with a, like a therapist in our heads Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and seeing what we're responsible for versus what the other person did, did and, um, and owning that. And, and so that that's, that's healthy communication. Well, that's definitely uh, half the battle right there. Just recognizing you know what? Oh God, I shouldn't have done that. That's uh, the way. Ninety-nine percent of the battle. Most people <sighs> never do that. Most people just yeah. rather blame. You're the problem. Guilt trip the other person. Gaslight yeah. them. Because it's easier than acknowledging that. Hey, you, you have this painful thing from your past. You need to look at that. This thing. Exactly. You of, but yeah. also, like, don't beat yourself up over it because it's it's kind of like a, a little bit of a subconscious program that's running there because you, you know you saw it or um, that action from your father, for example, and you, of course, wanted to please him. And then um, it becomes um, uh, a belief that, you, and then, it, you know, then it becomes a habit because a habit is just practicing beliefs over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, so then, I mean, you're, you did wonderfully, but you, you know, it, you don't want to beat yourself up either. Like, no. Oh, why am I such a, an arsehole because I, I do, do that all the time. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and, um, that was part of it too. It was, I acknowledged, I got kind of frustrated myself there for a second. Cause I'm like, ah, oh, I'm getting into the coach again. But then I realized oh, I've gotten a lot better. Like, you know, three, four months ago when it was like, I was like all over her, the entire surf session, like, here's what you do, do this, go here. That mm-hmm. now we're just surfing together. I'm not, I'm seeing things, but I'm not saying anything because I know it's not constructive. And then I slipped up once. So I'm like, okay, you know, I'm doing great too. That's fine. That's, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, my, my, my uh, two boys are, um, uh, well, the one next week will be 37 and the other one's uh, 34 right now. And uh, the, the parenting is long gone. Right. But if, when you want them to maybe um, go in a certain direction that you feel might help them, it's just, suggestions right that you have yeah to, exactly and gentle little, gentle suggestions plant little seeds and, and yes uh, and let them sprout and and totally uh, yeah yeah instead of trying to um you know do it this way re- yeah. exactly yeah yeah, yeah it's so true. it's a different it's a different style for sure because it yeah. doesn't work trying to beat it into them anymore <laughs> no i know but nobody responds well to that really no right? no at least no. not in the long term like maybe <clears> in the short term somebody can but and that's why motivation is uh <clears throat> To me, I'd I'd rather be uh, have inspiration, not motivation. Yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, it, uh, you know, because motivation is to me is temporary. You know, like a, a hockey example. You know, your coach motivates you for that game or for that shift, shift by shift, and maybe by yelling or whatever that works. But you see, coaches get fired all the time where they, their time runs out because their style is not working any longer. Right? The mm-hmm. guys, guys, stop listening. Um, so it's only uh, a temporary where if you can inspire them to a goal instead, then the motivation comes from within. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I've also noticed that, um, the best way to motivate people towards a goal isn't to tell them what to do. It's actually to just be an example. 
Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. if I'm if I'm if, like if with surfing, if I'm just killing it, Katie's Katie's gonna see that, and she's and you know people are high fiving me and going, "Oh, you're doing so good." It's like, and she'll want to do that too. She'll want to yeah. do that too, you know. And so the more I've learned that the more I just leave her alone, and the more that I progress, the more she's like, "Okay, I want to be like that." I know she's been asking me more questions lately, and she's been more open to some of the training stuff that I've been right, doing. And right. I'm like, interesting. I just have to sit back and. But also it comes down to boundaries, which I'd love to talk to you about, Mike, mm. since you brought it up. I know this is your interview and your topics, but I'd love to talk about boundaries because that's something I've had to learn and right. study. And it, it's t- brought up every day in men's group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so the reason why I want to get into it is because we can't talk about emotions and communication and communication and relationships without getting into boundaries. Mm-hmm. Boundaries is something we face every single day of our lives. Constantly people are um, testing our boundaries, testing our boundaries without knowing it. And it's up to us to be able to set healthy boundaries for our self-care. Absolutely. Um, the problem is that everybody's basically retarded with, with boundaries. <laughs> like really, <laughs> like most people's parents were not good examples of boundaries, how to give, the, how to set them or how to receive them. So most of us really struggle with this and you might not even be aware, but like Mm-hmm. When, you start, when you start to understand what boundaries are and what they look like, it starts to become apparent that um, it's something you could probably work on. Sounds like you end up coaching a lot on boundaries, Mike. I think it's really important in relationships. And, yeah. you know, uh, honestly, uh, life is relationships. Like it doesn't matter what that is, yeah. whether it's something uh, physical or your relationship with money or with your spouse or your friends or your teachers or your peers, uh, it doesn't matter. Life yeah. is about relationships mm-hmm. and we have boundaries with all of the, all of those things. Mm-hmm. So it's, That's uh, it. yeah, very exactly. important. Yeah. And so, um, I was somebody who struggled with boundaries. I was such a people pleaser, such a mm-hmm. nice guy, full on nice guy syndrome. And, um, just always struggled to say no to people. And as a result, ended up blowing a lot of my energy out on stuff I didn't want to be doing or mm-hmm. on people that I didn't really want to be spending time with. And uh, also just people that weren't treating me well. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yet yeah. we continue because we want them to like us or love us, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's where the introspection piece came in, was realizing why I do that. You know, mm-hmm. So that's probably the first step is, why am I like this? You know, and it's, I didn't feel like I was lovable as I am. Mm-hmm. I felt like I had to appease them to be accepted and to be loved. So that was, that was kind of step one was digging into that, you know? Uh, so again, that introspection piece, that journaling or whatever your thing might be, you know, um, I'm getting a coach like you, Mike, a therapist. It's like just starting to get to know those parts of yourself. But then really I, it was a process of me having to learn how about boundaries and how to set boundaries. Mm-hmm. And it, it was like a, it was like a three-year journey. And I read books and I listened to podcasts and I talked to my therapist and coaches about it. And he, do you want to know this distilled version of what I learned, Mike? Sure. Boundaries comes down to two things, at least setting boundaries. Mm-hmm. Talking about, we'll talk about receiving boundaries in, in a second. Uh, setting boundaries comes down to two things. Number one, you need to know what you need in the moment. And that's actually the hard part for a lot of people is they've been ignoring themselves for so long and saying yes to other people that just like how we said, uh, communication skills after the pandemic atrophied, like a muscle. Yeah. 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 That internal probe where you send a probe down to your body, it just this little pulse down there and you go, is this good for me? What do I need from this? Like, let's say a friend says, Hey, you want to go for a beer night and you feel a little uncomfortable. Like you feel a little bit of resistance to that. 
could show up as anxiety or just like agitation or whatever. And if you, what should happen is you should be able to send a probe down there and be like, why do I not want this? Okay. Yeah. This isn't good for me. And maybe you don't even get an answer back, but you, you recognize the feeling. Mm -hmm. The problem is that most people haven't done that for like 10, 20, 30, 50 years. And so that voice is really quiet. That says what they need. Mm -hmm. The good news is that it can come back. That internal compass is there forever. Well, it doesn't matter how long you've ignored it for, it's still in there. Absolutely. And, and so first step is to get clear what you want in the moment. And that can be really hard because, you know, somebody's standing there like looking at you, waiting for a response. And so you can say things like, let me get back to you on that. How about, can I get back to you in a few minutes? Hey, let me talk to my partner about that. Hey, like you can, this is what I'll often do. I'll often say, let me get back to you. And then I'll step away and I'll, I'll think through like, oh, I didn't feel very good there when they asked me that. Why not? Well, because I feel tired. I'm tired. It's been a crazy week. I just had surgery on my nose. Katie and I were fighting in the waves. <laughs> you know, like I, I want to I have a good night with Katie. Like, but I also want to have a beer with this person, but not tonight. You know, mm-hmm. and so, so it's okay to step away if you're unclear what you need in that moment. And you can start with small boundaries because big ones with partners or whatever can be difficult. So start with a small boundary. Somebody asks you to go for a beer, like, I'll get back to you and step away. Even if you go into the bathroom or of the cafe you're in or the, That's right. the office, you know, just, just get away from the situation and feet and put that, send that probe down. Go, what do I need here? Body, tell me what I need. Does that make sense, Mike? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm a living example of that. I mean, I, I did so many silly things, um, especially when um, um, my kids were young and mm-hmm. um, do, you know, doing things that I was asked to do by other people and um, knowing deep down, uh, maybe I shouldn't do that. I, mm-hmm. I need to be around for a while. I was in the Navy. So I spent a lot of time away at sea. And then when you're home, then there's other things that pop up and yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And um, you know, having gone through all that and doing a lot of soul searching over the years and, and self-discovery and self-work um, and I'm 60 years old now. So I, I, um, I think differently and, um, it's easier, much easier for me to do exactly what you said and, and look back and go, okay, remove myself from the situation for a moment and maybe think about this for a sec. What if, you know, if I do that, what consequences we have, because we always have consequences for our mm-hmm. actions. Right. And, um, I, and opportunity I, costs. It's like, what am I giving up? You know, that, by having a beer, what am I giving up? It's connection time with Katie, my own rest, and I'm not going to feel good tomorrow. Yeah, that's cause. that's right. And, and I'm a proponent of, you know, the way you think is the way you feel, the way you feel is the way you act, and the way you act, mm. it gives you the results you get in your life, right? So uh, it's the thinking part. Sometimes it's the very beginning of that that we stumble upon. Mm. And, uh, okay, well, how's it making me feel? Oh, uncomfortable because I really know I shouldn't, but I want to. But, um, you know, when you make the right decision, you'll feel better. Yeah. You know, so then you'll, you'll act better and it will give you better results in your life. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's not easy, but it's uh, exactly like you said, um, you know, it, it's, it takes a while. You know, it's not a, an overnight thing. And well, especially, um, especially with this part with the vo- that internal voice of what do mm. I want in the moment. It can be really hard, even now to place where this is strong for me, I still find that difficult, but it is like a muscle. You know, if you start going in there and asking yourself that the voice will get louder and louder and louder to the point where you can almost run into any situation and your body's going to tell you what you need in that situation, whether it's a yes or no, pretty clearly. Exactly. 
Yeah. And, and, and in that case, because we're emotional beings, sometimes we need to listen to these emotions that come up. Right. Mm-hmm. How is that making to. me feel? Yeah. Yeah. Um, instead of emotions just, are just warning signs, you know, it's like, it's that's like, right. Hey, there's something about this that doesn't feel great. Mm-hmm. That's it. Hey, there's something about this, this offer, this situation, this person crossing this boundary that doesn't feel good. And if you take the time to actually investigate it, you'll learn about yourself and then you'll have a more clear picture Absolutely. of what to say. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, and then the, the, the second part, just quickly, yeah. the second, just to finish the boundaries piece, the first part's that internal voice. The second mm-hmm. part is just letting go of their emotional response of people. You are not responsible for how people respond emotionally to your boundaries. You Absolutely. Could, you could deliver a boundary out of your own self-care. Hey, man, sorry, I can't go for a beer night. Katie and I just got into it yesterday. I really want to spend some quality time with her. I'm feeling tired too, man. I had surgery this week. You could deliver that in the most loving way possible, and somebody could still fly off the handle and call you for an sure. asshole And yeah. if you yeah. catch them on the wrong day, right? So their response, they're getting angry, they're getting sad, they're withdrawing from you, shutting you out, whatever they could do. That's the part we're afraid of with boundaries, mm-hmm. but it's the exactly. part we have to let go of because we really have no control. Um, so your only job is just to, to get to know what you want and explain that in a loving, in a, in a loving, compassionate way. Not be an asshole. Like, no, I don't want to go for a beer. Or like, Hey man, I'd love to go for a beer with you. Just tonight isn't going to work. Here's why. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah. And, 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 uh, and, but letting go of that. And it's really hard, especially with people we love. Like I remember when I learned this stuff, I, I set a pretty hard boundary with my dad around something and, mm-hmm. and he flew off the handle and it was the first time I was able to just kind of chuckle about it. Cause I was like, Oh, this is him playing out his stuff. This has actually, it's actually has nothing to do with me. This isn't because of me. That's right. This is him and his own world. Definitely um, playing its drama, place it, playing itself out. So if we can, if we can master those two things, we'll become masters of boundaries. And then the cool thing is that boundaries become fun. Mm-hmm. Now, I see boundaries as the best possible qualifier for whether somebody should be promoted closer to me in my life or not. Right. Because if I say, hey, man, I got, you know, I can't go for a beer night and you go, oh, man, you're, you're always a downer and, and you start giving me a hard time or guilt trip me or shame me. My life's already hard enough, man. I don't need that. <laughs> like life's no, that's already, right. that's yeah, right. I don't need people like that in my life because I have other friends who'll be like, Hey, good for you, man. Yeah, yeah. Spend that time with Katie. That's good for you. We can have a beer another night, you know? Exactly. Those are the kinds of friends that I want. So it acts as a good qualifier. So now when I set a boundary, I'm actually kind of excited to see how people are going to respond. Yeah. If they fly (laughs) off the handle, I'm like, well, you just... You just sealed your fate of never being a close friend of mine. No, no, exactly. And that's (laughs) what we have. That's what we have to do because we should strive to uh, um, hang around people that are are like-minded and will improve us. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of uh, the other way around, like they, they say yeah. that you're the most liked five people you hang around most. Right. So true. If you're, it, it is so true. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I just want to be people. I just want to be around people that are supportive of my self-care and my own journey, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, for a long time I wasn't. And now all my friends around are supportive in that way. I could say no to anything they request. And for the most part, they'd be understanding and supportive about that. Exactly. And that goes for you with them, I'm sure at the same time. Yeah. And then when you get good at setting boundaries, you're then good at receiving other people's boundaries. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times, most people aren't very good at receiving boundaries because they're, they're not setting boundaries for themselves and they're kind of upset with themselves over that. And yeah. so when they encounter somebody else setting a really firm boundary, it can be confronting. It's like, whoa, that's super rigid. But actually, you're just kind of upset at yourself. So the receiving boundaries gets a lot easier as well as you start to set boundaries yourself. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. So this will, this uh, question maybe will uh, continue the boundary discussion a little bit. Great. Um, I've heard women say, "Where have all the real men gone?" <laughs> so what kind of boundary do you feel that maybe she's almost setting for herself? You know, um, without allowing anybody across that that may or may not be compatible. Well, well, it's it's a good question. I I I, I laughed because uh, you know men are in men's groups. So these <laughs> lots of sweet guys are saying there. Where do all the real women go? You know, oh, where for those sure. Sweet, where yeah. those sweet, caring, loving it goes women both go. ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and again, it comes back to I just think that a lot of people don't have their emotional uh, house in order, and so they don't know how to communicate very well when it can't, when it matters and, and, and they don't know how to set boundaries. Boundaries are attractive for a reason in relationships because especially when dating, because it shows that somebody's going to, somebody's not so needy to the point where they're going to abandon themselves to give you what you want to get the love that they, they are needy for. So and there are lots of needy folks out there. Yeah. 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 I mean, everybody is myself included yeah, to, to whatever, but, to a certain degree. Right. Yeah. But most people are, are just on, in some way needy and, uh, and so, you know, where did all the real men go? I feel like on the one hand, it's like, yes, I understand because so many people are bad with boundaries. There's so many pushovers and passive aggressive people and, and um, people that just are whiners or, or victims, you know, they, they play the blame game a lot. Yeah. On the other hand, I really feel like the, where did, where did all the real men go thing is such a victim narrative. Yeah. Itself, sure. Yeah. Because there are fantastic guys out there you're either just not being um, intentional enough about where you're looking for them. Mm-hmm. You're not being ruthless enough about qualifying out the non-good men. You're probably dating poor quality men because of your own parents' baggage. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, and and so you're like, I've seen women do this. They say, where all the real men go, good, good men go. And then they get in these relationships, these dudes that beat them or whatever. Yeah. And they're like, th- they're like 35 and they want to have kids. And they're with a man who's, 26 who's got a drug problem and is abusive and i'm like well you're you're, you're kind of choosing the the men that are gonna you know and well, before yeah. and before i met katie i had to i had to come to terms with that and be like the way i was approaching dating was not working the things i was drawn to seemed to be not be working for me i need to look for this kind of a person and i need to be ruthless about that and it paid dividends so i i think i think that's how that's an example well, of not being a victim. <laughs> yeah. And I went through the same thing with uh, after my first wife and I broke up, um, you know, with, uh, dating a number of, of people. And I was, I guess I was 48 then. So 48 getting 50, it's not the easiest dating scene. No. Um, but, uh, you know, anyone you've been with, we were together for um, just shy of 26 years. So, you know, you're with the same person for a very long time. Uh, now you're out there putting yourself out there and they're putting themselves out there. Mm-hmm. Nothing seemed to really work until I decided to, um, yes, of course, I, I, I decided to have some, some higher um, standards, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also um, I decided to stop, stop searching, just to stop searching for love and let love find me. And mm-hmm. um, once, once I was able to do that, um, my current uh, wife now, my second wife is, uh, was a perfect match for me. You know, and and she found me, and uh, she was also had gone through a similar thing. So we found each other, but she wasn't looking either. 
Yeah. Well, that's what was so surprising to both of us. Um, and, uh, and, um, you know, she told me one night, she goes, you know, um, I love you. I want to be with you, but I don't need you. And I said, I'm so happy to hear you yep. say that because yep. I don't need you either. Yeah. I've proven to myself, I can live by my myself. I can take care of myself. You know, I, I don't need somebody else, but I want somebody else. Right. Yeah. So that's a whole different thing. Instead of the needing, it's the wanting and, and working together and having the boundaries just fall, you know, so it's uh, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So much of so much of this is doing our own work before the, the relationship to be in a healthy place. And mm-hmm. and like you said, that's a great summary. It's like not Katie and I feel the same way. We've talked about how if we broke up tomorrow, we'd obviously both be really sad, like really mm-hmm. devastated. Of course. But we'd be fine. Yeah. And that's a, and in past relationships, I did not feel that because exactly. I wasn't okay with myself. I was too needy, you know? And so, you know, if any, anybody says where do real men go, I'm like, you probably haven't been looking at your own <laughs> actions that caused that's you to right. be with the wrong men. Mm-hmm. And you also probably aren't being intentional enough about your approach to men. You're still letting those old patterns dictate, you know, you do the partner you choose. And Number three, you're probably not being real about what the process is. Dating is sales. <laughs> it sounds terrible, but like you, oh, you, no. knock, it's, you it's have to true. knock on a hundred doors to get one yes in door to door sales. And like yep. that's how that's how my experience with the dating process was. I go, I take a bunch of little coffee dates just to see if we had chemistry. If this person was a fit, and ninety nine out of hundred knows. And then the hundredth, it's like, oh, here's a person that shares my vet. Because you have to be share values and communication style and be at the right place in the right exactly. time in your life. There's so much that needs to line up. So it's oh, like, yeah. to not put yourself out there and expect that you're just going to meet the right man, you know, on your second date out there. I think it's a little unreasonable. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it can happen, but the chances are small. Right? Chances so, are small. Yeah. 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 So I wanted to talk about a couple other things that um, people say or have heard say and uh, that maybe society has um, pushed men into um, certain um, genres or, or groups um, that you, you've heard you say. I just want to get your reaction from them. So um, the first one is real men don't cry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super ignorant statement. <laughs> <laughs> anybody who says that or believes that's just a neanderthal i don't mean to be dismissive or like uh, to make fun of people but it's it's like every single human being has these hardwired systems in those the same way you have a digestive tract that digests food you have a spectrum of emotions which is really just a release of um, hormones that make mm. us feel certain things and so to deny that that exists or to think that because you know I have a penis or whatever that I don't, I don't, I don't have that other system. It's ridiculous. And it's the dogma like that. That's causing a lot of great sweet men to end up in isolating situations that lead to some of those terrible stats like suicide and anxiety and depression. Exactly. And the the next one I was going to say was uh, all men are dogs or skirt chasers or predators, you know, and that's, <laughs> uh, that's probably yeah. a, you know, a jilted lover talking there or something like that, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it doesn't do us any good being uh, painted with all the same, with the same brush. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, any of these generalizations are usually the warning for anybody listening and be any of those generalizations that you have or that you hear, mm-hmm. they're usually victim stories, they're usually victim narratives where that person saying it hasn't taken responsibility for their side of the experience their role and what happened to them. And so 
it's just, it's just easier to point the finger at that group of people that wronged them and say they are the problem. But in general, like I, this, this one hits close to home because how my insecurities played out when I was younger was womanizing. Mm. I chased women and sex for my validation. Exactly. It's, it sucked, but there, you know, it sucks to say, but like, they were almost like trophies to help me make me feel better about myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I get that that can be an experience, but men say equally, equally terrible generalizations about women that they're all branch swingers, that they're all going to take your through court and take all your money, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. that they don't yeah. want to contribute to a relationship. And that is complete horseshit. Exactly. There are fantastic men out there who don't want to fuck around and just That's want right. a meaningful relationship. There are women out there who want to contribute financially and who want to support the man emotionally and be caring. And, mm-hmm. and so again, just another victim narrative bullshit story. <laughs> exactly. Well, I've heard both men and women say this one. Well, men will be men, right? <laughs> you know? It's... Yeah, I don't need. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that one's kind of funny. Like, oh, boys will be boys, you know. If I see a dust up or something, or like, you know, yeah, in the right my context, friends doing something loud. in the right context is funny. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't even really know what that moon means. It's like, oh, you know, women are women. It's like, ah, uh, yeah. No, I know. I, I don't take the gender stuff too seriously, though. I have a good sense. I think I have a pretty good sense of humor about it. Like, I recognize there are differences, and I think, I think it's, I think it's funny to. Um, you know, note some of those differences on both sides and, and sort of, uh, keep it in a light, um, a, a light tone, you know, cause, uh, we have these differences. Sometimes they're difficult. Uh, might as well have a laugh about it. No, exactly. Exactly. Now you, you must've seen a tremendous amount of growth within your men's groups. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's people depending on when they're joining at different levels, but um, can maybe you tell us a little bit about um, some of the growth you've seen in guys? Oh man, that's a great question. Surprisingly, like there are a few things that surprised me, but surprisingly, one of the biggest ones, actually there, there, there's two key ones that stand out. The first one is when we've asked guys, when they leave men's group, what's the biggest thing you took away? I thought it'd be getting over their porn addiction or whatever their issue was mm-hmm. or like uh, learning learning something, I don't know, anger management or something. It turns out pretty consistently guys say the the thing I took away that was most impactful was I got to observe guys communicating in supportive ways, somewhat vulnerable ways. And I've been able to take that communications and I got to practice that myself. And I've been able to take that communication style back to my partner, back to my kids, back to my work. And so it's made me a much gentler, more expressive communicator. Awesome. Which blew me away because I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh man, that just uh, you know that brings me to tears." Yeah, that, that would that would it's exactly what you were hoping uh, would happen. Yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, even beyond that, like I thought that we'd have a place to guys release the pressure. I didn't realize that they'd be they'd be solving the things that I wish my dad could have solved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is, he loves me to death. He has no idea how to express it, and it keeps coming out in kind of toxic ways. Um, so yeah, that's number one. And then I guess number two would be, I didn't realize how lonely guys are. Amazing. Yeah. I didn't realize how lonely guys are. And because we are going through the world and we kind of have these blinders on of career family and we're just trying to keep up with that. And we don't stop to like, 
And it's usually not until a guy goes through an adversity, like a divorce or something, when he looks around and he realizes he has, there's nobody there. Exactly. Yeah. And, and how like none of us want to acknowledge it, but even I have times where I feel a little bit lonely mm-hmm. and it's a peculiar kind of loneliness. It's not like socially lonely. I have friends at work. I have friends that I surf with, but it's just like, it's like emotionally lonely. Like I'm the only one facing these challenges. I have to go this road alone. Nobody's exactly. going to be, nobody's going to support me on this road, et cetera. And uh, to see that from pro athletes, investment bankers, doctors, lawyers, guys in Chile and South America and, uh, or South Africa, Russia, um, Brazil, you know, Canada, the States everywhere, like all over the world. It's the same, yep. it's the same experience. Exactly. Like, wow. So, so being able to, being able to alleviate that feeling more connected, feeling like you have people that have your back. That's, that's probably number two. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. We're much more alike than we are different. Right. So mm-hmm. no, no matter yeah. where, no matter where we're from, and, um, it, uh, I, of course I went through, we discussed that earlier, but went through a lot uh, of that when my first wife and I broke up, but, you know, I experienced it later, um, cause my dad had passed away. And then about seven years later, my mom passed away. Oh, I'm sorry. And, um, then, um, it's just a funny feeling when the, the, the it was a lonely feeling because, um, both the people that brought you into the world are no longer there. Right. Mm-hmm. And I remember things happening and go, oh, I got to pick up the phone and, and call mom. Oh, I can't, <laughs> you know, but it was, although I already had, you know, other people in my life at that point and my children and stuff, it still felt so lonely and it took a while to kind of sort itself out. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, we all like our own, uh, alone time at times. Right. But wow. it's that loneliness feeling where like exactly like you said, where it's almost like a, a helplessness and, uh, and you're, you don't have the control because we all love to have control. All the control really is an illusion. We rarely have control over anything. Yeah. But uh, you know, uh, yeah. it's, it's different. Definitely. Solitude can be healthy, right? Like solitude is mm-hmm. very healthy. Isolation is not. Exactly. And I think the difference is wanting to be there. Like solitude can be lovely if you need some time away. Uh, isolation is feels forced, feels like you're, you're trapped. You know, it's like a prison sentence. Yeah. And, and even I, like, you know, if you saw me, my Facebook, you're like, wow, Sean's a popular guy. And my right. girlfriend and I both work from home a lot of the time. So I'm around her a lot and I have surf buddies and I got all these guys in men's group who honestly want to, would love to talk to me. Mm-hmm. I still feel lonely with my challenges. Right. I've got a men's group that I talk to once every two weeks. Those guys have my back through anything. I can call them up right now. They'd answer the, they, it's like they, I got the bat phone, you know, it's like right. the direct yeah, line. Yeah. Cool. They'll pick up no matter what they're doing. <laughs> I still feel lonely. So that's interesting to see that in other guys as well. Yeah. yeah. Every, every, a lot of other guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, exactly. And my seeking, my sneaking suspicion is that it, it's not a self selection bias. It's not just because guys are selecting a men's group that they're lonely. I really do think, and the guys I observe out in the world, there's subtle signs that most guys are going through the same thing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think we're either lonely or, um, and what I know with one friend of mine, um, he's lonely, but he just keeps so damn busy doing something. Um, I think, so he doesn't have to stop and think about it, you know, or, or be with himself, you know, because then it's, it's like the music stops. Right. And it's like, what? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and uh, 
Uh, you try to talk to him about it, but he's not that approachable about it. Um, maybe one day we'll be able to discuss it a little bit better. But uh, well, this is why this is why so many people freaked out during the pandemic because they yeah. had to sit there with themselves. Like mm-hmm. people went crazy and started attacking each other on social media and started being offended <laughs> about all these things. No, and like it's like yeah, they had to sit there with themselves, and that can be kind of scary. So do you think, I mean, uh, because I mentioned before, I, I, uh, I come from a little bit of a spiritual slant too. So do you think that we're really kind of not, oh, most people aren't aware of who and what they truly are, that we're, you know, uh, uh, spiritual beings just uh, inhabiting a, happen to inhabit a, a physical body that we park um, our, ourselves in for yeah. this, for this journey, you know? Yeah. Um, no matter what you believe about higher powers or if you're going to come again or whatever, you know, you still, um, uh, you, you can't avoid uh, thinking about something like that. Um, and I think it helps, it helps you sort things out. Yeah. It's interesting because it's a great question, Mike, because like I did not come from a religious background. Well, religion, religion, uh, is not spirituality. No, no, I I know, I know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Sorry. I'm I'm going somewhere with this. It's not. Yeah. Go right ahead. It's like, I, I look at my friends, I have a couple of friends that are deeply religious. And even though I don't agree with a lot of like, well, my values don't align with a lot of what their religions, uh, preach or whatever I do. I'm jealous of the fact Mm -hmm. that the big looming existential questions of why am I here? Who am I? They're all answered for them. And so right. they seem to have, they seem to have an ease about that. They don't, they don't have as much, um, ex- yeah, I don't know. Just like, um, ruminating on why are we here and what, what should I be doing and this kind of stuff, you know, and they, they have, they have faith that, you know, there's a plan for them and stuff like that. And, and I feel like, especially in the Western world, we've lost a lot of that. And as a mm-hmm. result, like, and then that coupled with this society pushing towards distraction because distraction equals money for these companies, Right. It seems like uh, it seems like then what ends up happening is people just distract themselves until they die. Like you could just you could go walk through the city exactly. and distract yourself 24 hours a day until you die. Right. Yeah. Shopping, movies, video games, whatever. So sports. So like I think I think I think I think people just they end up staying away from it. You know, they just end up not even going there and, and getting another spirituality because spirituality seems to only be. Uh, at least big part of getting in touch with it is that whole thing about solitude. Like you need to be in silence. You need, it's an introspective process. Definitely. So- society's promoting, everybody's pushing in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. And and the other thing I, I found about it as well as um, it's kind of almost like when you become a parent that you're realizing that um there's some something out there more important than yourself. There's something out yeah. there uh, bigger than yourself. Yes. Uh, that um, so you're not just thinking of yourself all the time and trying to keep yourself busy. There's other things that are much more important than you that you would, you know, for children, for example, that you'd give your life for. You know. Yeah. Uh, um, and that is a, a, a big growth uh, portion to to realizing realizing that and realizing yep. it's not all about you all the time <laughs> yeah totally and and like all the um, recovery programs like alcohol and alcoholics anonymous like a huge part of the process is reconnecting to spirituality i found that uh anybody who goes in the personal growth stuff always ends up there for the most part because it's, you just have to it's like as you're getting to know yourself it's like okay well what about this like why, why am I this way? And, and why do I have these tendencies and why, why am I drawn to certain things? And why do I feel so connected? Like, why do I feel so connected to the ocean? 
when so many people look at the ocean, like such a scary right. place, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and it's like, why do I feel so connected to everything when I'm out there with the animals, exactly. the, the, the waves, the trees, you know, it's like, and if I, if I sit there and I, I feel in that feeling that I feel out there, there's some, there's, there's something that I experienced that isn't like nuts and bolts, you know? So I think, I think people, the more you get into perspective, I think you have to address spirituality and it seems like people that do are more content. Yeah, if you have some kind with, with some kind of spiritual framework, whether that be my friends with religion or whatever that framework, is. or yeah, whatever that is, yeah, 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 you work it out for yourself. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, wonderful. So I wondered, uh, Sean, if you could uh, let the listeners know uh, how they could get a hold of you, or if they wanted to get in touch with you uh, to maybe take uh, partake in the men's groups, or uh, yeah. Or, I think well, we, got, we, you have a, you have a, you're an author too. You have a book out about Lyme disease. We didn't touch on that today. But. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I've been through a lot of adversity. That's the other reason why I, I, I seem to be well suited to men's groups. Cause I've, I've, I've gone through bankruptcy when a business failed. I've been cheated <laughs> on a bunch. I've, uh, I've dealt with addictions, you know, and difficult relationships and what, and I got sick. Yeah. I got chronically ill with Lyme disease. So I just wrote a book about my journey and what I learned and how, how I, how I got healthy again, but yeah, the, the main thing is we don't have any social media or anything. It's just mensgroup.com. We got a ton of great articles and videos over there on every kinds of nuts and bolt kind of guy issue, all sorts of personal development stuff. And you can just go there and check, check out our community and, uh, and yeah, yeah. You join a men's group. It seems interesting to you. Cool. Cool. Well, I want to thank you for being on today. I'm honored to have you on the show. And, uh, you know, you're a living example, a shining example of uh, what we can become. And, oh, thanks, uh, Mike. I'm still working on myself. I'm well, still, we all are. <laughs> I'm still a jerk to my partner. I'm still get short and I still need to work on my self-care. And, oh, man, I still get caught off guard with boundaries. <laughs> lately, lately, there have been like new new ways of people like crossing boundaries and testing boundaries just like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm just like all you guys just trying to figure it out, but appreciate you listening. And I, and I hope do hope to see you guys over at mensgroup.com. Right on. Perfect. Awesome. Thanks again, Sean. Thanks, Mike. 